Hello, moms. I have an exciting opportunity to share the next summit that I'm going to be a part of called Love to Learn. I'm here with the founder, Jessica, and she's going to tell us all about what to expect. Hey, Akua. Thank you so much for having me and telling your audience all about this awesome summit we collaborated in. Like you said, it's called Love to Learn 2023. We start officially on February 27th. So for all of your mamas that are listening, we'd love to invite you to the event because we are talking about helping teens love to learn. Awesome. In my session, I share about how the Be Call method can help you with your learners at home. And there are so many others who will be a part of this exciting opportunity to help your young learners love to learn. Thank you. We'll see you all there. Welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, introducing the new podcast, which is the place for moms to find encouragement, hope, and inspiration, where we're supporting moms in the trenches of motherhood. You will receive practical tips and strategies to address the developmental needs of your children with a positive parenting perspective in mind. Here at Moms Changing the World, we are moms on the journey of changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Welcome back to Moms Changing the World. We are in the middle of an incredible conversation with Megan Gallagher. She is a mom, a coach, an educator, and we are just delighted to be talking with her from her home in New Zealand. And, you know, I love talking with guests about, you know, how you're raising your children and the children you work with as far as race and empathy. There's so much that's been going on in our world, especially in the last couple of years. And so from, you know, the, the beautiful cultural perspective that you were sharing about in the first session, uh, first part of this conversation, how do you have these conversations with your children and as different things are happening and even things like, you know, there were fires right in Australia, you know, right in the midst of the pandemic. And it was so interesting how events and, and things that were happening, you know, across the world, right? We realized that our world is not just our neighborhood and our community, but it's it's really, you know, the the islands that are just right, you know, on the other side impact us as well, right? And 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 matter in the grand scheme of things. And you know, here in California too, we have a fire season, you know, that I don't remember with, you know, growing up with that, you know, as our <laughs> you know, as as our global climate changing, right? All the global impacts of, of that. So I'm curious, you know, how you talk to your children about these things. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. So with our with our wee boy, oh, I call him my wee boy. He's yes. as tall as I am now. Um, <laughs> I told so him he will always be my wee boy. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. matter how, how big and hairy. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but we've always we've we've spent a lot of time talking about or 
and demonstrating empathy and understanding for others. And he's always been very in touch with his emotions because of that. And Mm -hmm. we were very lucky when he was about three, I went to India or we went to India for a friend's wedding. And he, he showed us then just how full of friends the world was. Yes, yes. Basically, he treats the world, and he always has, as being full of people he hasn't made friends with yet. Yet, yeah. And so we, we had these wonderful cultural exchanges at that time. I swear to goodness, if I'd sold photos <laughs> that people took of him because he was a ginger-headed child, <laughs> and yeah, I, we, would have, we would have paid for our trip. Um, yes. And so – We've we've exposed him to those sorts of things. As, as a general rule, I don't watch the news yeah. on TV yeah. because I think that it is often quite one-sided mm-hmm. and it depends on who mm-hmm. the dominant culture is as to whose story gets told. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the same token, my husband is very well read and he keeps abreast of the news on several mm-hmm. different in several different channels and brings that to the dinner table. Right. So we talk about things that are happening in the world. My brothers both travel internationally a lot as well. Mm. So they have different perspectives on the world as well. And in our mm. family, one of my brothers is married to a beautiful Ghanaian woman, uh-huh. also called Ekwa. Um, oh, small world. <laughs> tiny world. <laughs> another brother is has married a Filipino woman. And mm. so our family is more multicultural now than it ever was. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. My nieces, my brother-in-law is Māori, and so my nieces are. And so we have we have a relatively diverse family or extended yeah. family yes. that we draw from and that we learn about and appreciate. And so we learn about the global things happening mm-hmm. um, from different perspectives as well. Mm-hmm. And that's um, not all of them do I agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, so my son hears me debating with my brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I call it debating. Some people might right, call it arguing. Right, you, right. Know. you know, you know. Antics. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's really healthy and it's healthy for him to hear that mm-hmm. and to understand that there are different perspectives. Yeah. I also think for our kids, it's, there needs to be hope. And I really loved, and I can't remember the man's name, and I know it's a terrible thing, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh, Yes. Um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Yes, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> and so he, it's, Mr. Rogers wasn't a part of my growing up yeah. in, in Aotearoa, New Zealand. But I've, I've heard of him as I've got older. Right, and right. I love the thing about looking for um, the helpers. Yes, yes. And so we always, we always do that. Like I know when my, my boy was very little, he would get quite frightened when he'd hear the fire siren. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so what we, because, uh, and the siren's very close to our house, so it was very mm-hmm. loud. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we talk about is we talk about, look for the, that means some helpers are going out mm-hmm. to help some people who have a problem. Mm-hmm. And isn't that wonderful? It means people are getting the help they need. They need, yeah. And so we talked about that over and over again. And eventually mm-hmm. what ended up happening was he'd, he'd get excited. He'd go, oh, somebody's mm-hmm. getting help now. Yeah, yeah. When he heard it instead of being fearful and afraid Mm. and I think it's really important that we don't rob our children of of hope right because the you know the world can be a really scary awful place and Mm -hmm. some of the things that are going on there are things Mm -hmm. going on at the moment that for me are devastating Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and actually defy comprehension, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And whilst my boy and I, last night, we had a talk about abortion, for example, mm-hmm. because that had come mm-hmm. up in a conversation with, uh, um, with my mother. Mm-hmm. And so we just talked briefly about that. And we looked for the empathy in there. Right, and for right. we, t- we talked about, you know, how it might feel for somebody in mm-hmm. that situation and mm-hmm. um, how, we, how I felt about the, the, the changes that were going on because I have my own perspective. My right. mother has a different one. And that was right. okay. It was mm-hmm. okay for him to hear that. But we talked about it briefly. Mm-hmm. But we didn't labour on it because mm-hmm. he's 11. And he doesn't need to be immersed in that. Well, that's my personal thing. Mm -hmm. I want him to have hope. I want him to see that he can make change, that he can make the world a better place by, by one, being empathetic and thinking about others. And we often relate world events to to things that happen in his life, like the bullying that he sees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we see bullying in the playground. We also see bullying on a political scale. Right, right. Um, and so we relate it that way as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that it's an open conversation at your home. And I think that's part of what we have to, as parents, embrace is that, you know, these conversations don't have to be scary. They don't have to be taboo. If we can just get comfortable being honest with our children, as honest as we can. And I love keeping empathy, keeping how does the person in the situation feel? How do you think they feel? How would you feel if you were in that situation? Right. And keeping that that heart, as you were talking about earlier, in the middle of it. And I really appreciate too that as your family gets more and more diverse, right? So too, the perspectives, right, are are also getting more and more diverse. And so that is a very natural way, right, to hear different perspectives, to debate different ideas, right, and have those conversations about things that growing up we might not have so easily talked about because that's only what the adults talk about. Instead of finding a way to be to have a bridge, right? And I think relating it to what's going on in the child's own life is a beautiful bridge to you know help them understand what's going on. Absolutely, and I do have to say, in New Zealand, this weekend we have mm-hmm. just celebrated our very first National Day honouring a part of Te Ao Māori, a part of the Māori world. Mm-hmm. So we've celebrated what we call Matariki, which mm-hmm. is the Māori New Year. Oh. With a with a public holiday, so it's just been made into a public holiday, mm-hmm. and this is momentous for our yeah. country. Yeah. And I remember years ago, I actually visited Ghana with my father and, and visited with my brothers, and we were there for the fiftieth anniversary of independence. Yes. And at that time, I had never seen a nation mm-hmm. wear their flag colours in so many amazing, creative, ways. beautiful ways. <laughs> yes. And in the level of pride, yeah. and you were talking about a lot of people who had very little, right? Um, certainly compared to what we have in Aotearoa right. New Zealand, right. um, but so intensely proud of their country. Mm, yes. And I remember sitting there going, I don't, I don't think we do that in New Zealand, and it's wrong mm. that we don't do it, That's that we mine. don't celebrate the beauty of our country and our culture. Mm. And so this weekend is, is, has been a lovely moment for me. Yes. As a New Zealander, to go, wow, we have arrived. We yes. are now celebrating as we as we should have for a very long time. Long time, yes. And so, what does that celebration look like for those of us who don't know what a Maori <laughs> New Year would would be would entail? 
So it's some some of the same sorts of things, you know, some of the urban centres have done events like fireworks mm-hmm. displays. Mm-hmm. There've been sort of concerts. Yeah. Um, we went to see an a free art event. Mm-hmm. Where they did this amazing thing. They projected. They so so different different groups created small small sort of videoed artworks. And then they projected them onto sprayed water mm-hmm. in the harbour. Mm. It was the most amazing. How beautiful. Um, I think it was absolutely lovely. And and all the, the theme was around mana moana, around the water. Mm-hmm. So Matariki is a time when the Pleiades would come up in the, in the sky and it indicated there was a whole lot of wisdom that would come from that, depending on which mm-hmm. stars were glowing brightest. Um, each star related to a particular domain of of the natural world, so they could see whether you know it was going to be a good season for freshwater fish, or whether it would be a good season mm. for crops under the ground yeah. or above the ground, and things mm. like that. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful time to to access and to talk about that Maori knowledge that and that traditional and ancient knowledge and how it applies in our world. So there's been a lot around using the language, around singing the, the waiatas, traditional songs or Māori songs, mm-hmm. and just celebrating the culture. And it's just been lovely. And we're in our infancy. So yeah. I'm looking forward to next year and what we will do because I think it's going to get bigger. Bigger and bigger. Yes, yes. But there is something to the times that we live in and as, as challenging as some of the you know, the pandemic, you know, pressures have been and, um, and some of the, the war and all these different things going on around us. There has also been a, a resurgence, I think, like you said, of, of cultural celebration uh, and cultural identity of, um, of empathy, right? And of, of some very, very just powerful, unique things going on in, you know, the United States. For us, it's Juneteenth. That's been made the most recently added holiday where, you know, the emancipation of, of slaves um, had happened a few years earlier, but the news of it finally traveled a few years later to, to the kind of last set of slaves who had not heard that they were free. And so Juneteenth is, uh, you know, is when we're recording this episode, you know, the, the recent holiday that's newly been added. And same thing, I found that, you know, it wasn't something I even grew up even knowing about, sadly. And now it's being recognized and there were events all over you know, the uh, the bay to, to celebrate it. So there is something very exciting about this time that we get to live in as well. Absolutely. And so, yeah, yeah and, and I think the p- pandemic, I love how you're, you're, you're referencing it, that it's not all bad. Yeah, there have you been know, some there, there certainly has come with massive challenges, but there's right. been opportunities mm-hmm. within that as well. Absolutely, yes. So Megan, I see you as a mom changing the world, using your voice as an educator, as a coach, as a leader in teacher wellness and well-being, as a podcaster. Are there a few tips that you can give us? And I think one thing I was thinking about is that we as parents too, even if we're not teachers in a classroom, are educators at heart, right, to our children, right? So I'm curious if from your, your work, especially around, you know, the brain and well-being, that you could give us as parents who are, you know, sometimes thrust into that role of educating our children, like it or not, right? Speaking of (laughs) pandemic, right? Um, And some of us are more naturally drawn and inclined to it, right? There's a whole range there. So 
what are, what's some advice that you could provide to, to parents on this? Absolutely. I love what you say about parents. Parents in, uh, here in our country, we talk about parents as being the first teachers. Exactly. And right through life for our children. Uh, we are the models that they look to. I, th- I think the first thing is, um, oh, gosh, there's so many things I'd like to say to parents. One, one of the first things is that you, we need to care for ourselves. Yes. Because um, just like with teachers, if, if we're happy and healthy, our kids benefit. Mm-hmm. If we're not, our kids suffer. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we, we are deliberately doing that. It's that we've been taught, I think, over the years, and I, I don't know, I'm assuming it's similar in, in your country, mm-hmm. that there's kind of this, this thing that you're taught that you're no longer important when you become a parent, that your whole world becomes your children. And to be fair, you know, like my world is, is my kids. Mm-hmm. However, I know that in order to be the best parent I can be, I need to look after me. And I'm just going through a, a period of time where I'm shifting and changing in my, in my work life. I'm a workaholic. Mm. Uh, it's, it's an affliction. <laughs> it's something I'm working on and have mm. been working on for a while. But going through this change has meant that I've had to actually prioritise my time and say things like, actually, I can't do that right now or I'll need you to do this, this and this so that we can mm. share the load a little bit more. And it's mm. actually been, it's been great. It's been empowering for my family. And it's really mm-hmm. good for, for our, our wee boy to see me taking care of myself yes. because he then knows that it's important for him when he grows up to take care of himself as well. So I think self-care is really important for us as parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing with parents, and this is one thing, and I use this in my classroom, I use this for kids, I use this for teachers, I use this as a simple strategy for everyone, actually, if mm-hmm. I had the opportunity. <laughs> You know, like often we get really triggered Mm -hmm. and our kids especially know how to push the buttons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I teach people this. So we go hands up in the air and we go stop. And stop is a signal for us to go somewhere safe. Mm -hmm. So if we're in a situation where we're feeling intense emotion and we're going to blow or we're going to strike out or we're going to say something unpleasant, then our first point is to stop and go somewhere safe. Now, in your home, it might be that you go to your bedroom. If, if the children aren't going to cause any serious damage to each other, mm-hmm. then leave the room. Mm-hmm. Go, and, go and stand in the toilet, you know, wherever mm-hmm. you need to be to be able to have mm-hmm. a little bit of space to find somewhere mm-hmm. that you can then be by yourself. So it's stop. Then the next thing is to breathe. And how we access our breath might be different. For some mm-hmm. people, it might be going for a walk. For some people, it might be slowly breathing and mindful breathing. For some people, it could be, and I know I had one student once, who for him, it was drawing and coloring. Mm-hmm. And you would watch him. He would be so intensely uptight that his, his knuckles would be white and his hands mm-hmm. would be bright red. And you would watch as he drew that the tension would come out of his hands and Mm. then the tension would drop from his face and from his body. And then he could talk. Before then, he couldn't talk. He was completely unreasonable. So that's about knowing ourselves and what what brings us peace. And so stop, then breathe. Then we can think Mm -hmm. and we can actually then make decisions about what is the best course of action to take. And finally, we choose that and we do it. 
And it might be that we go, if we're triggered by our children, we might say, hey, look, buddy, I'm going to need to stop this conversation now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm going to go out and take a few breaths. When I come back, we'll have a chat. Yeah. And so so that rather than get into a conflict, we actually demonstrate how we can manage big emotions ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we can come in and we can be reasonable. With each other. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and, And again, that's about empathy. You know, it's about thinking about other people and thinking about the actions that we take and how they affect others. And so I teach this to my students. Mm-hmm. I also teach this to their parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing that I think is really vital for parents to know, particularly when you look at schooling and education, is something that comes from Dan Siegel and Tina Bryson. And I have the book here because I am a new a whole brain child. Yep, that's one of my favorites too. So you'll know Holt. I think Holt is a little piece of magic. So if you have a child that has a meltdown, particularly Mm -hmm. after school is a really common time for children to have meltdowns. And in that moment, everything will be bad and awful and horrible. Mm -hmm. And they will probably say things like everybody picks on them. The teacher doesn't like them. They haven't got Mm -hmm. any friends. Somebody was mean to them at school, blah, 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 blah. Before we leap into the drama, if we take a step back and we apply halt and we go, are they hungry? Mm -hmm. Because hangry is genuinely (laughs) a real thing. It is. (laughs) In my house too. (laughs) Yeah. Are they angry? Do they have a big emotion that they need to find a way to express safely? Mm -hmm. Are they lonely? You know, they've been away from their favorite people in the whole wide world all day. Mm-hmm. They probably missed you. They might need a hug. Mm-hmm. Or are they tired? And if they've been doing schooling and it could be in your home yeah. or at school, right. it's exhausting. It's mentally exhausting and draining. If we're learning new stuff, it's really challenging. Mm-hmm. So we're likely to be tired. Is it a good time for you to then ask your child to go and do another two hours homework? Or do you need to give them a bit of a break first? Mm-hmm. And if you attend to those things, I would suggest, and I don't have any statistical evidence to support this, (laughs) but I would suggest that 90% of the meltdowns are actually nothing major. Mm -hmm. There hasn't been a major problem that's actually caused them. It's it's that their their small brains, their small bodies don't quite know how to regulate for all of those things of hunger, big feelings, that loneliness, that tiredness, Mm -hmm. and they need us to co-regulate with them. So instead of joining in on their storm, we can be the calm in that storm. And I think that makes a huge difference for our children, their happiness and their well-being. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, picking up on the the breathing and the empathy, that's the beginning of be calm. The B and the E in that whole process is to find a way to catch your breath, right? Because breathing is that kind of gateway to that mindful presence and attendant to what's happening inside the body, what's happening around you, tapping into your senses and being able to send that oxygen to the brain and release the tension that's been bottling up in our shoulders or our back or, you know, arms and hands, wherever you hold your attention. Breathing and like you said, whether it's breath work or a quick walk, you know, any way you can really get that that oxygen and that breathing going and it does wonders for being able to access something like e empathy right and being able to 
come out of the knee-jerk, you know, reaction mode into a response, as you said, that we can now choose because we've taken, press that pause button and we've taken that time to actually engage the brain, the more rational, reasonable side of our brain <laughs> versus <laughs> the, the emotional volcano that wants to erupt a lot right along with our children. So that's great. That's great. Good. So yes, you you talked about self-care and that's, you know, how important that is. And I love asking, you know, my guests, you know, what they do for self-care. You know, you are, you know, helping others figure this out for themselves. So what are some of the things you do for your own self-care? So for me, our self-care isn't always glamorous. Right. So I, I love a long bath with a book. It's something mm. that I, I treat myself with on occasions, not very often, not as often as I'd like. <laughs> um, but self-care really is around doing some of that unglamorous stuff, like mm. making sure that I exercise and move daily yeah. and regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it very difficult to sit for long periods of time and I, I find it very difficult to do nothing. I'm more of an active relaxer. Yeah. So things like I've just recently learned how to crochet. I'm mm-hmm. not very good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I give it a good go. And I make sure that I'm I'm actively engaged in something that is outside of my work is something mm-hmm. that's important to me because as a workaholic I could work all day. Mm-hmm. It feeds me, it fuels me and I love it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that also um, I will get back to the self care, right. but I think it's I don't go for work life balance. I go mm-hmm. for work life satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So where mm-hmm. I feel satisfied with how my life is rolling, because I think the work life balance thing I used to find it really difficult. I had a boss mm-hmm. years ago who one of my four KPIs on my mm-hmm. um, appraisal was around work-life balance. And we would mm. always, on my quarterly meetings, <sighs> always get to number four and he would sigh heavily and I would <laughs> sigh heavily. And you'd go, ah, so we're not doing so well on that. And I felt like, an, <laughs> I, it was awful. I felt like an yeah. abject failure. Yeah, yeah. The because judgment. I hadn't quite, yeah. And mm. I hadn't nailed work-life balance. And, and that was because there was lots of my work that was really, really engaging and satisfying. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually about that work, work-life satisfaction for me mm-hmm. is, is my big mm-hmm. measure. So some of the other unglamorous things is things like man, managing my money. Mm-hmm. So going and checking bank accounts and making sure that everything is tickety-boo there. Yeah. Eating, eating well. Right, right. You know, maybe not wolfing down an entire packet of biscuits, even though I'm <laughs> feeling a little bit tired. Yeah. And also things like looking at sleep, trying to make sure that I get enough. And that's that's often my trade-off point. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm really conscious and aware of that. And that might mean that I have to change how I do things during the day, right. or it may mean that I have to adjust my schedule to make sure that I'm getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Because sleep is is vital, you know, and good sleep makes such a tremendous difference to us. I have I have sleep routines. Mm-hmm. One of my routines is around, and a big routine in my life now is around gratitude. Mm. So I went through a very dark period a number of years ago, and gratitude really was was one of the key things that took me out of it. Yes. And so now it's part of my life. So I belong to a, an online group. We post three things we're grateful for every day. So I do public That's gratitude. Nice. 
We talk about it at our dinner table. What are you grateful for today? Mm -hmm. And then I also keep a diary and I write, Mm -hmm. I jot down very quickly the things that I'm grateful for for from that day. And it's made a tremendous difference in how I live my life, I think, and the perspective that I take with my life. Mm -hmm. And so I do my gratitude diary at night. I turn off devices. I'll do some nice, gentle exercise. I often read for pleasure at that time. Yeah. So I have a whole sleep routine so that even if I don't sleep a lot of hours, I get good quality sleep, mm-hmm. um, you are. which makes a difference. Yeah. yeah. A lot of our wind down in the evening, as you said, and starts, you know, usually like during the day, right? Some of the things that we're exercising can contribute to that or making time yeah. to talk with your family about what you're grateful for, all of those things then lead into what sounds like you've created a a bedtime routine that helps your body unwind, helps you tap into the gratitude and be more reflective and, you know, reading the books and things as a beautiful way to transition the body to a good night's sleep. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Good. And then, you know, there's a couple of questions that I, I, I think I'll try it in a speed round so that we can get through them pretty quickly. Because I'm curious, in a few sentences or even a few words, really, you know, what would you say is your best advice for a mom who is struggling right now? First up, be kind to yourself. We're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And nobody gets it right. There is no perfect parent. <laughs> Even if you look at Instagram and people look like they're perfect parents, they're not. That's just a highlight reel of of what we want people to see. So I think it's about cut ourselves some slack Mm -hmm. um, and work on being the best parent you can be right now. We are all doing the best we can with what we've got. Beautiful. What about what would you say to yourself as a younger mom? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I never thought I was going to be a mum. And I never thought I'd get pregnant. We honestly didn't. So it's all been an adventure for me. But I think if I was talking to myself as a younger mum, I'd say, again, go with the flow. Mm -hmm. Trust yourself and your intuition. And remember that your connection with your child is the most important thing that you have. Mm -hmm. So celebrate that, honour that, and focus on that. Mm -hmm. Love it. And then the last one, what have you learned about yourself as a mum? Oh, that I didn't know my heart could get so big. <laughs> I really didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been an adventure and every stage is awesome. Yeah. In, in its, its own, own way. way. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, and so I, th- I think that the one thing is don't wish the times away. Yeah. You know, don't, don't be looking so far forward with your child's life that you miss the great stuff that's happening right now. Yeah. Another great reminder to be present and celebrate and grateful for the moment. Awesome. Good. And so then our last question will be related to the theme. One of the other themes for the year is uh, the word for the year is overflow or abundance. What do these words mean to you at this point, you know, in your life and this point in the year? So abundance for me is really around, um, it comes back to hope. Yeah. That there's enough for everyone. And because there's enough for everyone, we've got the opportunity to give. Mm-hmm. And if we if we give generously, it, it comes back to us. That's just, that's just, I think, the law of the universe, really. Yeah. What you put out comes yeah. back. But there, there's always going to be enough. Yeah. 
and and mm. maybe that comes from a privileged position too. We we live in a, mm. a reasonably a wealthy, you know, Western country where there is mm. there is enough, there are mm. enough resources, mm. despite some of our social issues that we have here. But I think I think that's where the abundance thing is, though, mm-hmm. is that there actually is enough. We need, just need to open our minds to generosity and to kindness. Yeah, and open our hearts to it as well, you know, back to the yeah. heart of what you were talking about in the beginning. Yeah, beautiful. So <laughs> beautiful. Any last words before we tell people how they can get a hold of you? Uh, I just love the work that you're doing. Yeah. I send huge amounts of love. Aroha out to your community um, that are listening to this. And yeah, it's just, and it's a real privilege to be here and to be able to share across across the oceans. That's right. I, I think it's fantastic. So thank yes. you so much. Oh, you're more than welcome. It's been such a delight to get to know you. And I'm super excited to, you know, keep, uh, keep the conversations going. And so, yes, how can people get a hold of you? Oh, goodness. <laughs> So I have a website, meg at meggallagher.nz. Yes, that's it. Um, <laughs> and so that's where Ignite Your Spark is. I'm present on Facebook. Okay. I, I've chosen one platform uh, because I can't manage multiple ones. <laughs> right, right. I, am, I am around on LinkedIn as well. Um, and I can get those details to you. Yeah, um, I'll include those in the post. Yes. And I also blog and, and do other bits and pieces. We've got the Teachers Matter podcast. And we also have the Teachers Matter book club that I run, which are great opportunities for people, um, particularly teachers, to extend their professional development in small bite-sized ways because we know teachers are busy people. Right, right. Beautiful. Good. And I'll have all of those links and all of those opportunities in the show notes. Great. It's been wonderful having you here. Yes. And my heart also extends to all of you who are listening, moms who are changing the world, raising your children one day at a time, one child at a time. We'll see you next time. For listening to Moms Changing the World with host Akua Walker. The information shared on this show is meant for educational purposes only and not intended as a substitute for medical intervention or professional therapy. All views shared on the show are that of the speakers only and do not represent any institution. To be a part of the community, visit www.momschangingtheworld.org. There you'll find ways to connect with and support the moms we interview and find out how to work with Akua as a parenting coach. Join us next time for more encouragement and support to be a mom changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.